Mark 5, 24, very familiar portion of scripture. I also want to um, find uh, Hebrews chapter 6, that way you can get, get there. That's the one good thing about technology. You know, before you had to know where all the books were at and what order and where the verse, you don't need that. All you need is Samsung. <laughs> get you there pretty fast. Amen. Praise the Lord. As long as you're not texting and Facebooking while I'm preaching, I'm going to pray lightning hits you or something like that. Y'all have a Mark chapter 5, verse 24 through 28. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard reports about Jesus and came up from behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. In Hebrews chapter 6, I've preached on this a number of times. The writer in Hebrew is describing some basic elements that every believer should understand, should have an understanding. And he lists them there in Hebrews 6, 1 through 12, and he calls it a foundation, the foundation of a, of a Christian. And he was really saying this, do I need to tell you guys or teach you about, and I'll list them, repentance uh, from acts that lead to death. Do I have to teach you about faith in God? Do I have to teach you about instructions in baptism? Do I have to teach you about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment? Do I have to teach you again about the laying on of hands? So the Hebrew writer was saying, these things are something that you should know about, and it should be a part of your life already. It shouldn't have to be taught to you. So he was actually writing it out of a frustration. He called them elementary teachings. And, and the opening scripture, Mark 5, 24, what I want to focus on, first of all, is the sensitivity of this woman who, not knowing anything about Jesus, but believed in her heart that if she just touched his hem, that something would trans, transpire, something would happen. Something convinced her that if she just touched that, there was no teaching and, and she had one motivating factor. She was desperate. I want to say this before I get into the message. We do not need to be desperate to learn what it means to be touched by Jesus. We should not wait for desperation to call out to the Lord, although it's very common. And God won't reject that. But let us be the people that come to Jesus for that touch with our heads up, when no problems are present, when no issue is pressing, but we just want to touch. We want to touch for no, no other reason but to get to know the master first. But more importantly, I think, that's put on something heavy, is to take that touch and introduce others to the Lord. Because I would say it's futile for a person to get to know Jesus 
and not share it. Father, we come before you and I ask that you take full control of the hearers, of our minds, and all that you have for us. I pray, oh God, that you remove this speaker and that you, Holy Spirit, would begin to touch each life and change us. That we would understand the power that you have for us if we would only open ourselves to it. I pray that you would touch people today, baptize them. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. So I'm, I'm, th I'm thinking now the last couple of days about the touch, touching people. Here we see them talking about the power of the hands. And our hands are very powerful. There's power in our hands. Some are afraid of the power. But your hands or what you touch and what you, what you allow to touch you will determine your destiny. And this is a sad truth. Most people, the vast majority of people die never realizing their destiny, their God-given purpose on life. Oh, yeah, they may have accomplished many things and done a lot. You know, you look at a man, I, I think of that, a person who accomplished great things. Changed society. Uh, Job's, Jobs, whatever you say, the, the, the Apple guy. Died at, what, 54? And all that he had dear belonged to somebody else. What he touched determined where he went. So there's power in church. So you must be careful. Let me say this. One of the major causes of never finding your path is you touch the wrong people. You're around the wrong person. Or the wrong people touch you. Because the power of that connection, the touch. So you must be careful who touches you. And you must be careful what you touch. And I picked this lady because it seems like and I'm not just saying this to make you feel good, ladies, but the ladies tend to get it before the men. You know, when Jesus was crucified, everybody left. The treasurer was a thief, Judas. His, his internal staff took off and hid, denied Christ, Peter, his main guy. Everybody else was hidden. The only people that remained was the woman's auxiliary. Mary and the girls, they stood at his cross. They didn't leave. Amazing. So you see that, and now you have Jesus before his crucifixion. He's walking around, and here's this woman who knew nothing about Jesus, but she had a sensitivity to her to understand this guy's got the real deal. So ladies, you do have that other sense, if you will. You're, you tend to be more sensitive than us men. Some, we get, but when men get it, we get it good. We get crazy about it. But it takes us a little while longer. It does. I, I don't know why. Maybe we have some kind of brain damage. I don't know. But I read this one time, and I thought it was pretty funny. It said, women are honest, loyal, and forgiving. They're smart, knowing that knowledge is power, but they still know how to use their softer side to make a point. Women want to be the best friend for their family, their friends, and themselves. Their heart breaks when a friend dies. They have sorrow at the loss of a family member. Yet they are strong. 
when they think there is no strength left. A woman can make a romantic evening unforgettable. A woman can come in all sizes and all colors, all shapes. They live in homes, apartments, and cabins. They drive, fly, walk, run, or email to show how much they care about you. The, woman, the heart of a woman is what makes the world spin. Women do more than just give birth. They bring joy and hope. They give compassion and ideals. They give moral support to their family and friends, and they all want, all they want back is a hug and a smile, and for you to do the same to people you come in contact with. Men, men are good at lifting heavy stuff and sometimes killing, killing spiders. That's it. Because we're, we're just not that type of track people. We're not. Most men are not sensitive. So they're not, I'm speaking in generalities. And it's not because we uh, um, don't want to be. Sometimes it's because we don't know how. But nonetheless, we see this woman. So if I can touch Jesus, something's going to happen. But I want to say this before we get to her in detail. We have to be careful what we touch. Because everything is set in place in the system that we live in is geared to keep you from touching the hem of Jesus' garment. It wants to sidetrack you. It doesn't come in the shape of a devil. It comes in the shape of career, money, different exercises, recreation, different things to keep you from focusing on what it matters. So I want to say this. You have to be careful not to touch sin. Hello, someone. See, the sin of disobedience is what removes people from that touch of God. In Genesis 3.3, again a woman. These women get everywhere. But in this case, this woman, like most women, wanted to know everything. You know, women want to know everything. They want detail. You know, my wife will, will get me like a, after all day long. My mom says, don't say this, but like I, I've been working all day long. Thinking in my mind, because men, we just think in our mind. We live in our minds. We don't talk a lot as much as most people. But then I'm, I'm laying down, it's like 10 o'clock, and she goes, can we talk? I, I, at that moment, I said, oh, God, omnipotent heavenly father, if thou have mercy, come now. Because my wife wants to talk right now. Because it's like, we're not, men, we're just not, we're not good at that. For the most part. There's different people, but for the most part. Well, this woman, she, she, this is where it came from, ladies. She wanted to know everything. And God said, don't touch this thing, this tree of knowledge. Not just bad knowledge, but good and evil. Don't touch it, or you will die. Well, like most good women, they didn't believe him. I don't think so. I think you're trying to hide something. Where you been? How come you're 10 minutes late? Where are you at? What are you doing? They want the detail. Why did you turn left? You usually go right. Right? She want to know. Now, when you look at this, the word here, touch, it doesn't just imply just don't touch it. He, God said, don't get intimate don't get too deep with this tree. Not just touch it. Don't get in there and begin to die, uh, dissect this tree and find out what it means. Stay away from it. Because if you do a touch, you're going to die. It says more than touching with your fingers. It's an ex extracting touch. It's like, I want to get to know you, but I want to know all about you. So you sit down, not your name, rank, or phone number. I want to know your mama, your daddy, your kids, where you went to school. I want, I want to know. I want to exact Everything about you, I just suck it out of you. I want to know all. Huh? Touch. God said, be careful with that kind of touch. Huh? 
God knew if they touched this knowledge, something spiritual would happen. And then this spiritual thing that would happen, they would not be able to handle it. And see, here we are, centuries later, still unable to handle what was unleashed at that garden. The more we learn, the more man perverts it. We've taken every great invention and figured out how to make it evil. Did you know that? Find an invention that started out good, looked good, looks good. Eventually, when men get a a hold of it, when we touch it, it turns wicked. And you can go, we can start right here. This thing. This thing. Now, it's great. But do you know now they have opened up rehab centers for children and teenagers who are addicted to this? They cannot get up without looking at it and touching it. There, are, there was recently a young 14-year-old boy that shot his mom because she took his phone. Boy, it started out so good. Because I think it's amazing, man. You could put every song, I could put every album I ever owned in my entire life on this little thing. Amazing thing. But we have a way of taking things and perverting them. So God said, be careful what you touch. It may look good up front. But once you touch it, you don't mess it all up. It's like when people say, I don't want to go to church because those hypocrites. I don't worry about it. There's always room for one more. Come on in. Come on in. Come on down. Huh? We have to be careful what we touch. See, with their touch, something transferred to them. Now, you think about this for later. So, so what did Eve do when she decided to touch the tree? It wasn't so much the tree. It was she disobeyed God. Now, she didn't disobey God. She disobeyed Adam, which is kind of normal. She disobeyed her husband. Ah, shut up. You know what you're talking about. She didn't believe that Adam had some kind of contact with God. And God said, no, 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 no. So she didn't disobey God. She disobeyed Adam. Well, Adam, instead of putting her in her place and dealing with it, he goes right along with it. Oh, well, let's do this. You know, because men are, you know, weak in certain areas. So notice the progression. She looked at it, she took hold of it, she ate it, then she gave it to Adam. And you'll notice something when people begin to sin, a person in sin will always try to give that sin to somebody with, that is near them. In other words, they don't like going alone, like guys in the home. You very seldom see a guy leave the home alone. They come in the home together, you know, they, they don't even know each other, or the ladies. They never met each other, and all of a sudden they become partners and friends, and they leave with each other. I go, man, now I know why you're home in the home, because you're stupid. If you're dumb enough to go with somebody that comes in the home that you don't know, you need the home like five times. But they hold hands and they skip out. Come on, let's go. Let's leave the home. Yeah, leave daddy, daddy. That's another that's home message. Be careful of sin. Don't associate. Don't touch it. Don't associate with it. First Corinthians 15.33 reads, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you are and stop sinning. Bad company. You know, we grow up. My mother would always say in Spanish, but I'll say it in English. Right? Tell me who you hang around with, and I tell you. Huh? And that's very simple. In my neighborhood, I could not hang out on 6 and E. 
And we, there was Mel's Liquors, and they had a slushy machine. That's back then when, like, slushy was a new thing. Oh, man, I got a new machine, slushy. We were like kids. So I couldn't even get a slushy. Because if, if my mom found out I was at that corner, my, my face would be slushy. I mean, she would deal with me. She'd say, oh, you want a slushy? You really want a slushy? No, not that bad. Why? Because she said, no, you ain't going to hang out in the corners with those punks. You ain't going to hang out in the corners. Right? Why? Because she understood this. So, maybe you can relate to this one. Because in the beginning, walking with God, well, how many know walking with God is a trip? Come on now. It's a, it's a trip. It's, sometimes it's hard. It's doable, but it's hard. And I've often felt like this with God and had, had a talk with God. I said, so far, God, today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. Haven't lost my temper. Haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from that moment on, I'm probably going to need a lot more help than I do right now. <laughs> Hello, Zuma. Because out there, something's trying to touch you. They're always trying to touch you. It's always trying to get you. And then if it looks good, all of a sudden we're trying to get it. Huh? You got to be careful not to touch anything that's unclean. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What, what, righteous, what does righteousness have with wickedness? What, what, what is in common? So we, 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 we're, we're limited by God's best on what we should touch and what we shouldn't touch. Now, people say, well, you can't tell what to touch. You're right. I can't tell you what to touch. That's between you and the Lord. I can only warn you that if you touch the wrong thing, huh? the choice is yours, but the results are God's. See, anything not submitted to God is unclean. Anything. An old Puritan wrote, once wrote, if you marry a child of the devil, you can expect to have trouble with the father-in-law. Anything unclean. Not submitted to God is unclean. Right? You can't touch that. You, you got to be careful what the world has to offer. And that's another thing that gets me. You know, the world offers a lot of good stuff. Don't it? Yeah. Come on, just me and Larry. Come on, don't act like, oh, no, no, Pastor, we're holy. Yeah. Shut up. I know. The world has a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah. But just because it's good doesn't mean it's good for you. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. You know, it's like my, 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 my cheesecake analogy. I got, the, I got a bone to pick with God. Because if God were smart, he would have put all the vitamins in the earth in cheesecake. <laughs> but no, he, he puts it on his other stuff, Brussels sprouts and, and other stuff. Why couldn't he just put it all in cheesecake? That would have been the smart thing to do. No. But that's how the world is. The world's got all the nice cheesecake, but it's not good for you. Could have, you can taste a little bit. But who could taste a little bit? Of, huh? You know how it is. You, you take that cheesecake. You might as well just forget going through your mouth and your stomach and just stick it to your thigh. <laughs> just let, put it where it belongs right away. Be careful what you touch. Col Colossians 2.20 reads like this. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rule? And I like what 21 says. Do not handle it. Do not taste it. And do not touch it. 
See, so we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Right? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're, we're, we're a citizen of heaven. Huh? And that's what I'm going to allude to here. We're a citizen of heaven. Who's a citizen of heaven? We're citizens of heaven. The, we're just, the Bible says we're sojourners. Now, she was a brother. I shared it with a few people before. Uh, we're just sojourners in this world. We're a citizen. And the distinct, uh, how, do you, how you determine a citizen is where they live. So we live where in the United States, right? And for the most part, unless you're running from the ice, you're a citizen. Right? But the wall does not necessarily determine if you're a citizen or not. Because if you have an embassy in Russia, guess what? If you're born in a Russian embassy, guess what? You're a citizen because that's considered American territory. So what distinguishes you is who you are, a citizen, your passport, right? Your passport. Another thing that distinguishes a nation, it's currency. So the American citizen has what? Dollar. You go to Mexico, they get the peso. Uh, you go to South Africa, the rand. You go to Europe, now they're trying to you know, do the European thing, but they have the, uh, uh, the euro. But in London, they didn't give up their currency. They want to remain, they have the pound. Currency. So that determines, not the border, whether you're a citizen and your currency. So I just heard you all say that you were citizens of where? Heaven. Okay, now, that, look, here's the question. This is where people get a little upset at me when I'm going to say this right now. Then what currency do you have to prove that you are of that, that country, that nation, that world, heaven? What, what's your currency? Faith. See, when you, if you don't operate in faith, then my friend, you're not a citizen of that, of heaven. You have to have that currency. See, most people, that's why when Jesus says, you, gotta love, you can't love God and mammon because you're going to hate one and hate the other. Why? Because the God of this world, money, will make you its citizen. That doesn't mean we don't use the money, but our currency is faith. That's what this lady had. She proved her citizen because she said, I just got to touch that garment, that gar the hem of that garment. If I touch it, if I touch it, I'll be healed. She changed her citizenship by her faith. So if I were to ask you, let me look at your passport. Well, what would it be stamped with? If it's only stamped with George Washington and Ben Franklin's or pounds, you're, you're, you're a citizen of the wrong nation. Uh-oh. See, that's, we're talking about the world system. We operate, we use it, but we can't let that system use us. Huh? And again, the problem with this statement is that the world is so appealing. It offers so much, yet, to, yet it gives so little. Promises abound, yet an unfilled life are its reward. That's why Paul, writing to the church in Colossians, says, Do not handle it, do not taste it, do not touch it. See, if we fail to truly die with Christ, the principles of this world will control and dominate your thoughts. Very simple. If you are honest with yourself, ask yourself, how much do you think about your walk with God and your money? 
get a ledger for the next week and begin to write. Just put a line down the middle. And every time you have a God thought, write it down. And every time you have a money thought, write it down. When you run out of space on the money thought, you might want to change your citizenship. Hmm? So what can I handle? What can I taste? What can I touch? Are my daily cries. Hmm, what can I go? That's why the earlier, you know, when I'm in bed, I'm doing good. I'm holy. Man, I can walk on water. I'm in bed. Yeah, God, I had a great dream. Me and you, God, Holy Ghost. But as soon as I step out that bed, here it goes. Oh, my goodness. And it wasn't not so bad, you know, people out there. It's the person that I'm bringing with me that caused me the trouble. Me. Huh? Yeah, yep, yep. What can I handle? See, we can't handle another lie. We can't handle another drink. We can't, we can't touch sin. We got to stay away from these things. That's why you go back to Genesis 3.3. But did God really say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden? That you must not touch it or you will truly die? Did Pastor really say that, I, that, that if I have a ledger of, of money and, and, and God and, and my thoughts, I need to change my citizen? Yes, I did. I've, I've, I've heard it said many times, forbidden fruit might taste sweeter, but never forget it spoils faster. Hmm? See, if you spend your life running a tab with the devil, don't expect him to forget you. When it's time to pay the debt. What we need, and this is the important part, is we need a touch from the Lord. We need a touch from God. Matthew 5, 29. Let's go back there. And immediately, the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And when his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So whatever reason God had desired that our touch is a source of power. And it, but it's not just the mere touch. See, let's see if I have anything. Okay. I got $20, you got to give it back. But if I, if I, if I have this 20 bucks, right, and I hand it to him for, let me see your phone. I'm going to get a good deal. Thank you. There's a transaction. But what caused the transaction? Was me handing him the currency. $20, you got burned. My phone. Right? But the dollar, this 20 bucks, determined the transaction. The woman came to Jesus. You want to be Jesus, Deborah? Came to Jesus. You want the $20? Here you go. <laughs> the woman came to Jesus 
right? And she handed Jesus what? Faith. She paid faith to Jesus, whether Jesus knew it or not, wanted it or not, because he wasn't in on the deal. But, but because she handed him the currency, it yanked from him. Then he says, what? Who touched me? You got to remember, he was in a crowd. People were touching him, pressing him, pressing him, pressing him. Everybody touched him. And that's why the disciples said, what do you mean, who touched you? Look at everybody around you. Everybody touched you. No. Somebody made a transaction with me. In fact, he was probably surprised, saying, there is another citizen of my nation here who touched me. Where is she? So then he looked in the crowd, and he looked a multitude of the crowd, and all of a sudden he knew his citizen when he seen one. He goes, that one, you. And the, the woman, instead of being happy, like, I'm healed, yeah, yeah, she was fearful. Because when you're healed and you're touched by God, let me tell you what, it'll trip you out. When, you, when you're transacting faith, all, and God, whoom, and remember, understand this. This is the only time God doesn't have to ask you to do it. If you do it, he, he responds to it. Because he chooses to respond to faith, because faith is his currency. Who touched me? Huh? They heal. See, now that same power, this is the deal what I'm trying to get to. The same power is afforded to us. The only reason why we don't operate like Jesus operate with that, uh, that power, in other words, like if I'm coming to you with faith, the only reason why you can't operate like that is because you've been touching the wrong stuff. The world, sin, whatever, you name it, you've been touching the wrong stuff and somebody would come up to you with, with currency and want to make a deal with you. See, men and women, Christians, we should be walking around with that type of power. It was not afforded just to God and, 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 and his angels. In fact, the angels got nothing on us. All that power that I'm talking about, Jesus gave it to us. In fact, he took 70 disciples at the right time, and he said this. The Bible said that he, he breathed the Holy Spirit on them, breathed it. And these 70 took it, they go out. And they begin to walk door by door, and they come back all excited. Jesus, demons submit to us. He began, they began to talk about the miracles that were taking place. Why? Because Jesus, it was like a temporary visa. You ever go traveling? American passport's a good thing. You can go anywhere in the world probably for 90 days without a visa. But after 90 days, you got to get a visa. You got to go through a whole process, right? And they stamp it. Boom. That means I can stay in this country for a year. I can stay in this country for six months. Then you got to renew your visa, pay him money. Right, but I got a visa. Huh? And that's what Jesus did with these 70. He goes, you're not a citizen yet, but I'm going to give you a temporary visa. And he blew the Holy Spirit upon them. Faith came upon them. And this is how he quantified their faith. This is how you're going to go. Because you're going to have to go by faith. I'm giving you something. I'm giving you currency, but you got to go by faith. Don't take anything with you. Take nothing. What do you mean nothing? You know how we are. What, how, I got to take suitcase. I got, I, I got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to get dressed. I, I, gotta, I got this. I, gotta, I, got, I, I, need, I need money, 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 money. How I need lunch, breakfast, dinner. You know, we all go, I need money. I got, oh God, I can't. You still talk about no, he said, take nothing. Go nowhere and knock on doors. And where they receive you, you stay. And they will provide for you. Great plan. 
None, most people, most Christians will say, forget that plan. No faith. No faith. And then you want to go somewhere and say, God, move. How can he move if you have no currency? Faith. His hands, Jesus' hands were a power source. They healed. They healed today. One touch from the master will change your life. How many can say amen? amen. Huh? And I really think that most of us, and I'm praying today, that every believer here has a real touch of the master. A real touch. Not just some, some emotion, but a real touch. A touch that causes you to want to touch somebody. That causes you to say, wait a minute, I got some currency on me. Matter of fact, I got some extra cash. You know how when you got your extra cash, you feel like blessing somebody? Ever been there? Some of you, you better get there. Some of you are too tight. Don't want to get there, right? But if you're, you, you got, I got extra cash. I want to, you have a party. You bring, bring, bring everybody. You feed everybody. You're like, yeah, you're quiet because you're, you're, you're blessed. You feel good about it. That's the same with faith. When you get a touch from God and you get some Holy Ghost power, you say, man, I want to touch somebody. Let, where's somebody? He's like, let me lay my hand on you. Don't, don't make me pray for you. Why? Because you had a touch from the Lord. Huh? I think some people have been touched by lemon juice. They're all sucked up. Huh? See, what brings happiness? A touch from Jesus or this world, what this world has to offer? We all have to make that choice. Huh? Material things. In Mark 8, 22, they came to the state of some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Begged him. Have you ever begged Jesus to touch you? I mean, begged him. I have. Begged him. Begged him, cried and wept and begged him. Not for healing. Not for a breakthrough. Not for any really situation. I just had this thing going, God, God, you got to touch me. I read this Bible and you say, you touch this one, you touch this one, you touch that one. I don't like that. I don't like reading about it. You got to touch me. You got to touch me. You got to touch me. I'm not going to leave till you touch me. The Bible says you can touch. I'm going to hold you to the word. You better touch me. Well, I'll get like that. I need a touch from God. Why? Because nothing else satisfies. Oh, it's good for a little while to occupy your time for a little moment, moment of time. But it doesn't satisfy. Nothing satisfied. Huh? So we have to, sometimes we have to grovel on our knees and ask the master to touch us. Like that the lady who, who came to the, the master's table begging for bread. He said, get away from me, woman. He goes, Here's, what, what, what work do I have with a dog from Samaria? He goes, even a dog deserves crumbs off the master's table. What does he do? He stands up and he sees currency. He goes, man, you made a deal. He could not resist the deal. Why? Because currency spoke. He goes, woman, I have not seen this type of faith in all of Jerusalem. What do you need? We think, oh, I just want to come to Jesus when, uh, when I feel like it. Like I always say, Jesus is Jesus. He is not a genie that you can rub when you need help. Hmm? 
See, all the people here try to touch him because power is coming from him, healing them. They, all of a sudden, the, the secret got out. It probably started with this woman. She probably get, you know, women, they like to talk. She probably told everybody, man, I touched Jesus and I got healed. Hey, you hear what happened to so-and-so? Sister so-and-so touched Jesus, she got healed. And it began to spread. Next thing you know, the whole countryside is looking, just wanting to touch him. Let's go touch Jesus. Why? Because Sister Mary, Sister Susie, Sister Sally, all the women got touched. The men, ah, they're too busy killing spiders and lifting up heavy things. Huh? See, I know Jesus. Let me say that again, because you didn't hear me. I know Jesus. I wasn't there when he made the world, but I know Jesus. I know Jesus. I wasn't there when he separated the Red Sea, but I know Jesus. I wasn't there when he, when he helped Joshua hold the sun in the sky, but I know Jesus. See, so the question is not whether I know Jesus. I want to, do you really know Jesus? Have you had a touch from the master? Has God really touched you and then filled you with the power? Are you operating in the right currency? Listen, I got something to tell you on my way to heaven. I know Jesus. I know the Lord. See, I, was, I wasn't there when he gave us power, but I know he's the power source, and he wants to give you power. We're coming into Resurrection Sunday. Power. I love that power. I did a man, so I don't know if I'll bring it out, but the example of the power, the, the exchange, it wasn't just his death, resurrection, him coming up. It was a transferring of power. The devil had authority, and because it was so great, and he was transferring the power, who was he transferring the power to? You. So this whole time, there's this thing going on, this battle in the heavenlies, the, the, the war in the heavenlies, trying to keep you from the very power that belongs to you. So if he can keep you occupied enough with whatever it is, Anything to sidetrack you from your rightful place that you are supposed to walk under an anointing. Anything. That's what, he, that's what the world and the enemy is trying to do. To keep you from the power source. And those other things I'm talking about, whatever they are, they're not bad things. I'm not talking about them bad. Like, oh, you shouldn't have them. No, no, no. But the problem is we don't have these things. These things tend to have us. They become so important to us. So we, we put everything aside for church, except for, you know, uh, uh, well, I can't go because of this. Or I can't be in church. I can't study. Why? Because we have so many things that are more important. And listen, I don't care where you go. They're not going to teach you about God's power and anointing. They're not going to give you more instruction. It'll occupy your time. Why do you think the most important thing to me is when it has to do with God? Remember my ledger? My ledger. Things of the world. God. I fit the world in when I can because I'm focusing everything, every day, every moment, every hour, every minute, every second I can, humanly possible, on the things of God. Oh, got to go do this? Yeah, okay, I got to go. Got to go to Lowe's? Yeah, I got to fit it in. Got to do this? Yeah, I'll fit. but I, I fit that in to God. Most people fit their life. They fit God into their life. Well, I can't go to church, can't go to discipleship, can't go to this. Why? Because I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this, 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 this. And none of this stuff in the world is going to benefit you. None of it. Eternally. 
Oh, yeah, it'll benefit you here. It might, might get you a raise. Well, that's not a bad thing, but if that's what you want. But I hear challenges. I believe that if we focus on the things of God, all those other things will follow. They will follow. God will begin to open doors that you never thought possible. How did that open doors? Because God takes care of his people. God, God takes care of his citizens. He's the great ambassador. And isn't that, I should say it like this, isn't that ironic? Well, I probably done it on purpose. That we are often called ambassadors of Christ. Why? Because our nation is in heaven. Earth, we're just setting up an embassy for God. That's all we are. Trying to bring other people into our, into our embassy. Give them our currency. Let them, let them sign up. They can become legal citizens. They ain't got to worry about Trump or the wall. Come a legal citizen. Come on in. Why? Because we have a different nation. Uh, the only wall that separates you from our embassy is the one you put up. Did God really say you shouldn't touch the fruit? You would die? Did God really say this? In 2 Timothy, I'm going to come in for a landing. He said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. And notice what he said. Through the laying hands, the laying on of what? Hands. The touch. Huh? Paul, Paul clearly says that the gift of God is given by the laying, hand, laying on of hands. Touch. Touch. So does that mean everybody has it? Citizens do. Citizens can make other citizens. The Bible says this. I'm really going to close with something. Go be fruitful and multiply. But he says something very important. He says, and reproduced after your kind. Right? So in other words, a monkey has to make another monkey. If a monkey births a giraffe, we're in trouble. You re reproduce after your kind. Monkeys make monkeys. Citizens make citizens. Christians make Christians. See, if we're called to reproduce, we have to reproduce after our kind. If we don't reproduce after our kind, then perhaps we have to apply at the heavenly embassy and ask God to make us his citizen. Let's all stand. Just lift your hands to heaven. Begin to worship the Lord.